Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie, and with me as always... Chris Ketters? Yes. I always feel weird about saying Ketters at the end. Why? I don't know. It's just like... It's should I say like, just Chris? It's your last <laughs> I like okay, it. Okay, so you got... So four seasons, you got real famous, so you're just Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so with us, joining us, um, is Candice. Better? Hi, guys. How you doing? And Candice is the daughter of Denise. Hello. And Denise is the sister... Of the boys, Billy and Joey. This is not the first time that Denise has been here. Second time, I believe. Maybe even third time. Yes. Yeah. So, welcome back. Thank you. We're in this nice, cool studio that Frankie uh, built. It's nice. Yeah. 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 My buddy, uh, uh, Josh Smith, uh, helped us uh, build this. So, uh, yeah, he's done a really, really good job of, you know, everything. So, we're, we're excited to actually have a space where we can do some YouTube. I think that what's been missing from our show is that, we show stuff, we, we show diagrams, we, we talk to diagrams, but now you're actually going to be able to see those diagrams as we progress. The only problem is I've been told for many, many years I have a face for radio, so I don't know how this is going to work. I can't help you there. <laughs> <laughs> and sew a head on or something or green screen your face. Yeah. Can we do that, please? You can just, yeah. You can just input things in there. That'll work. Okay, let's so, do that. So this is a fun episode. So I, I, we get to have uh, actually a little bit of what, um, and everybody's a moviegoer, right? So this is kind of like the prequel to what... Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast actually meant. And I think we waited for YouTube to actually do this to really get some kind of, you know, visceral reactions from people. But a lot of people don't know the real John Wingate story, how that all started. They really don't know all the crazy occurrences that happened with John Wingate and the family. And so I thought, what a great episode to invite him on. And let's talk about some of the stuff that was kind of off the camera and off <laughs> and off our sets and off our podcast that we really wanted to get into. And cause, cause we kind of came into this as a, as people have probably just started listening to get that first episode. And when you get that first episode and it's like, okay, to talk about 1967, we haven't involved the family. And I think the whole first season, we don't involve you guys at all. And that was kind of like our path forward, but there was something else going on when we started this podcast. There was something else going on when Soul Speak launches, right? The second book that Wingate puts out. So I don't know, Chris, you want them to kind of take you through some of the, take, take the audience through some interesting stuff that, that's been. Yeah, I mean, back then. where do we start? Uh, you know, we've, we kind of, when we started season one, we did a lot of our information research based off of the book, but then we quickly found out there was much better research out there. Um, but let's take it from your guys' perspective, because uh, Denise, you guys were starting out with dealing with John and doing stuff with that. So give us the lay down. It, it seemed like everything was pretty kosher at first, right? I mean, the book writing and all that, it was pretty good, right? Yes, it was at first. Um, how it got started is when the um, when the first book came out. Yeah, we went to the book signing. Right, right. Um, and I don't know how much of the book signing you want to go into, <laughs> uh, but I think you're trying to get to where Soul Speak kind of came about. Right, right. Um, we had. Uh, a cousin who was at the book signing, uh, not the one that we were at, but at a different one. Um, and she ha is sensitive and um, has some abilities, and she saw the boys. Um, and and the boys apparently said, you know, she can see us, you know. And it kind of went from, kind of all started from there. Hmm. Okay. And 
then she ha- has a connection with one of the other psychics, or has some abilities. Um, her husband, I'm going to let Candace tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it is her husband's cousin's wife. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so she reached out to her and said, hey, I'm going to send you a picture. I want you to tell me what you, you know, what you get. Um, and so she sent the picture over to her and she basically got the same information that um, our cousin had gotten, which was that John Gacy was involved mm. with the boy's disappearance. Mm. Um, at that point, they called uh, my Aunt Lenny and started talking to her about it. And then Aunt Lenny started talking to John Wingate. Mm. That's where it kind of all started. So, so that is that. So is your cousin... So your cousin talked to the other mediums that were aboard, and they all came to. So, so was it the cousins that came up with the, the the idea of John Wayne Gacy being involved, or? Well, actually, Mom had went to a reading with Brittany before all of that. Okay. Um, and Brittany had brought up John Gacy, and at that at that time, we kind of went, okay, maybe, right, and probably dismissed it a little bit. I think until the other two then came forward and talked to us, we're like, whoa, how's this happen? All three of them, right, are coming up with kind of the same scenario. Um, And then that's when we kind of all then started going, okay, maybe there is something more to this. Mm. So so Brittany Buckwalter is the one we're talking about, and we'll have her on in a couple weeks here, and we'll probably bring this up again. But so so that's kind of where – this all takes place because th- as this is going on, right? Soul speaks about to launch. Chris is going to read that book. He's going to reach out to my partner, Jeremy King. Okay. This is how it's kind of cool, right? You kind of start seeing like how this is all fitting together. He's, he reads the book souls, soul speak, or maybe I think it's the first. No, it's soul speak. It, it was soul, soul speak. Mm-hmm. And, and I give Chris like, I basically, you know, pitch me five minutes and let me see if I can put the limp stuff aside and, and we can do this. And we ended up staying, I think two hours on a phone call or something like that. And, and then we just, I decided to come up and he showed me the area and then I brought all the podcast equipment. I think we podcasted out of the Holiday Inn the first time or Holiday yeah. Inn Express <laughs> out in Hannibal. It had just been built by the hospital. And so uh, we started putting it together, but, but, it, but it was the, the John, I want people to know that it's not that we have this arrogance that, you know, we know it's not John Wayne Gacy. It's, it's just that we started there mm-hmm. and a lot of our beginning refer- research was based on John Wayne Gacy that that if this is if, if this is going to be the person i mean you know this is somebody that we know for a fact abducted um, more than one boy at one time and he did it twice he he was able to pick up you know people so it was definitely intriguing to see that there was a true crime angle that i loved and then you get more into the story where now you have this split path right now right I think it has a lot to do too with that. When when I contacted you, I knew you were into the paranormal side of things, yes. and and there was a huge paranormal aspect to that. When when this whole thing with these mediums, all three of them, and 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 granted, uh, John made a, a, a very readable book, and mm-hmm. so having the the paranormal aspect was something I knew you guys were interested in with the Shift Films, and so we were taking this kind of as a paranormal aspect to begin with. Sure. I think me and you and, were very very much into the paranormal at that time. Yeah. We have, we have since subsided. I think you have a pandemic that comes into that. So the ghost hunting and it kind of just, plus I haven't been, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. So (laughs) (laughs) except for when they touch your back. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'll have you. Yeah, go ahead. I do want to say though, when Brittany said John Wayne Gacy or when she said, John, do you know who I'm talking about? And I did because the book and I'm like, 
I shook my head and she goes, you don't think he had anything to do with it? I'm like, no. And she asked me why. Well, my uncle had sent um, dental records to Chicago and so that they could check it with the remains of what was there. Mm-hmm. And it came back that none of the remains there were my brothers. Yeah, and that and so you're talking about Detective John Jason Moran yes. out of Cook County Sheriff's. And yeah, so he's leading that investigation. And and when that was happening, there were still eight bodies that were unidentified. They yes. they had found the bodies, they were in the basement with the thirty three, but these eight had not been identified. And since then, two of the eight have been identified. So now there's only six that remain. But we do know for a fact, if you're listening for the first time or you want to jump on YouTube and listen to this one, we do know for a fact that as far as John Wayne Gacy goes with the house in Cook County, the six remaining are not any part of the Dow. Well, not any part of the hoax. We Correct. we can't say that definitively about the Dows, we don't know if they ever sent anything in. So, so that's interesting. So we have this this bridge, right, of 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 John Wayne Gacy, right, and this kind of gets everybody intrigued. So we haven't met you guys, we don't know you guys, but we'd read the book and we're starting our podcast. And then simultaneously, you're about to go to this book signing, right, with Soul Speak, correct? It was the first book. Soul yes. Speak wasn't out at that time. Okay, right. So we went to the book sign, the first book signing. And how was that experience? Um, uh, you know, it was good at first. Um, we bought a book to have the author sign. And then, um, I think we waited in line for about an hour, hour and a half, uh, for him to sign it. But (laughs) so that book did pretty well then. I think so. So you're saying that you waited an hour and a half for a book signing for the, there was a lot of talking as people were going up to sign. There was a lot of stories being shared and, and told and, um, I can't say that that us waiting for an hour and a half was a complete waste of time because we did get to you know sit down with a, a gentleman who did um, was part of the search that's back Jerry in sixty seven. I believe so. I I feel like that's who it was, yeah. just based on our conversations. But yeah, and so we had a really good conversation with him that um, was really nice to hear of him just sitting down and saying, you know, I really felt like I let your family down by not finding them. Um, but we got to kind of talk a little bit further with him too. Can you can you uh, talk a little bit about what what Jerry Vineyard had said? I know that um, we had talked a little bit before we started podcasting, but there was some really intriguing stuff about you know his perspective on on you know what he saw because I mean this eyewitness thing is getting out of hand now. It's really big right now between what really is eyewitness testimony anymore and how people forget within a, three minutes of something that oh god you know. But I, I want to be—I want to be clear that Jerry was one of the investigators. He was one of the cavers. He was actually in the cave, correct? Correct. And we had talked about him before on previous episodes, right, Jerry? Yeah, yeah. Jerry's been, um, and it's so amazing because uh, Julie Angel, who's been on the show a few times, um, she came across some information uh, that uh, Jerry posted on a forum. You remember back in the early 2000s, it was all about forums on the internet. It wasn't about, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. Anyway, it was a caving forum, and, and it's so crazy because he was talking about how much he regretted not finding the boys, and that was 20 years ago. So, um you know, I never really thought of it until you guys talked about it, saying that you think it was Jerry that you saw at that book signing, because that is a guy that 40 years after the fact, he held that and he is, it, he struggled with it. You can you tell. Could tell it really affected him. Yeah. I mean, he got down on his knees in front of mom and I and had tears in his eyes and said, I'm so sorry. I let your family down. Wow. I always felt like we could have done more. Wow. 
Um, so one of the things that he said, he always felt like maybe they could have done a little differently is when they came across the rock piles or the mud piles on the bottom of the cave floor, he felt they should have dug into those Hmm. piles to see if the boys were underneath it. Yeah. So he believed there might've been like a ceiling collapse or, or yeah, he believed that there was a chance of that. So the boys would have been hit with a ceiling and then kind of pushed in and then everybody was trampling on top. Was that kind of the story he told? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he said like the the tops of the caves would have mud, and then with them uh, dynamiting, that the caves could have came da- or the mud could have came down on top of them and covered them. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it, so it just it's amazing, and and we're gonna hopefully talk with some other people that were involved with the investigation back then and with the searching, and and I have a feeling that's that's gonna be heard multiple times again that. You know, these people put their heart and soul literally into the search back in 1967. And it's crazy to think, again, like 40 years down the road, and they're still holding that with them. You know, that's amazing. So Yeah, it's intense. And and, and the weird thing, too, is that um, we, we've asked on, on our podcast and on Facebook to... Um, if you have any film, if you have any footage, if you, if you know anybody that does like please submit it. And then when we try to go to any kind of a news station or anything like that, they, they want these unsurmountable amounts of money, but they can't guarantee that it actually will be the boy. So they basically say, well, we can give you, you know, five certain things, but it's, it's a hundred dollars per. So it's like 500 bucks, but you're not guaranteed that it's, that it's that story. Like nobody, I, I, I can't, I just can't imagine this national case. Like, if you think about like Martin Luther King, everything that's happening in 1967, right? Even even the president JFK, right, is hot and heavy in 1967. There's there's a space race happening in 1967. There's there's a bunch of stuff that that that's that's going on that's getting all this footage and everybody's able to pull. But for some reason, this was a national case. You know, Vietnam was hot and heavy, and and you have these very strange things where I can't get any footage. We can't find any footage from the news, but we know they were there because newspapers point to it. And, and people talk to it. So it's, so once again, I mean, it's kind of a plea for like, hey, if there's pictures out there, if there's video out there, if you remember the news station, if you recorded it somehow, I don't know. But if, if there's anything out there, like we really need to see, we, we believe, some of us believe that um, a suspect like a John Wayne Gacy could be in one of those videos. He could be, uh, you know, and somebody else that we'll talk about. Yeah. You know. I do want to point out real quick that uh, the WGM and KHQA were both in existence in that time. Those are two local TV stations. They did not have the footage. I did contact them both, and they just don't go back that far. So, unfortunately, from a local standpoint, we didn't have anything available. That's just sad. I always thought it would be interesting if people, if somebody had pictures of the mystery man up on the hill. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I would love to see. Well, just even in, we've talked about it. I think we, let's go ahead and get into that. I know we're kind of on a storyline, but you know, Terry Hill's the other name that's, that's, that's being brought up. Of course, that's a name that we've been talking about. Probably our number one suspect at this point in time. And we've, we need, if we can find those pictures, we can possibly put a person there. We know he was there at, from an aspect of, uh, trying to, trying to do searching with the, uh, Department of Corrections, right? Yeah. And so we know he was there, but what if he was there like the next day before he was even called to come to help search? Yeah, I mean, he's getting the information from somewhere, even Moberly, that sits, what, about an hour outside of Hannibal? Like, he's getting the information from somewhere. It could be yeah. local TV. It could be local news. Um, but it is it is odd. It, it is strange that um, 
he's brought in it somehow. We don't know. See, that's that's the other hook, right? There's there's a there's a gap. There's a missing link between yeah. how he gets involved. Like, who is somebody that would have um, contacted him? And the only other thing that I can think of, and this was brought up, and just so you guys know, we read all the comments on our Facebook. We might not always answer every one of them, but one that I keep seeing that's reoccurring. I, I have like an algorithm now where I can just search something and I can tell you how many times it's somebody asked that question or something around that question. And, and that one question is this pastor that was very close with Greg Dow and how he would take Greg to certain things. And, and, and he had volunteered services at one point, right? We do know that um, Terry Hill was also youth ministry was also involved uh, with the church. So it is possible that that pastor said, Hey, you know, I know somebody within the church family that, that does tracking and stuff like that. Let me give him a call. So, so there's a link there that, that possibly could solve what that is and how Terrence Hill actually gets involved because he's, he's big in Moberly. Um, we know he's a Royal ambassador. We know that he knew friends of the boys. And mm-hmm. so if you're going down that true path, you know, listen, hey, like, hey, do you know, you know, uh, this kid, this kid, this kid, uh, get in, I'll give you guys a ride, and blah, 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 and, and what's his name? Um, that also, he lived right there um, by Charlie's house, right there on the corner. Uh, one of the boys that, that saw them that day. Bill Brent, Dexheimer? Big Bill Dexheimer. Dexheimer, yeah. And so Dex, we can put Bill Dexheimer and uh, Tommy Terrence Hill and the Royal Ambassadors together. Well, we can actually put them at dinners together. In at the Terry's newspapers. Hill. Yeah, at Terry Hill's, Hill's house. house. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of evidence that points to him. And, and it actually, since we're on the subject, I think it'd be kind of fun to talk about real quick. You guys have heard where we're at with this. What, what's your thoughts on Terry Hill? <laughs> Are we on a wild goose chase? I don't know. I think I think at any at this point, anything is a possibility, yeah. right? Um it gave me goosebumps when I came across the article that he was a royal ambassador at Southside Baptist Church, where our family went. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a potential. Yeah. For sure. I think it needs to be looked at more. Well, and and I th- I, we're going to go ahead and say this, but I think it'll come back around with Brittany. And I think it's important to kind of bring it up now is that when you look at a picture of Terry Hill in the 60s and you look at what he who he kind of looks like, yeah, he kind of looks like Gacy. You can definitely the I structure mean, exactly, especially the way that. Uh, that's why we want to have Brittany on, and, and it's also something that we want to get together with the family too. We always get asked, and we have private sidebar conversations with people and messages, being like, "Why are you involving mediums and ghosts and paranormal? You guys said that blah 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 blah." And, and I've explained that on posts, like, "Hey, like, you know, fifty plus years, dude. You kind of use every trick in the bag, right?" But with Brittany, when I've when I've ex- when I've asked her um, specifically, like, what what does a vision look like, right? And it, it's not that she is being told exactly what happened, right? Energy doesn't communicate that way. Energy can only show her things. Mm-hmm. And so if you get a picture that looks like the same stature of a John Wayne Gacy, and John Wayne Gacy has so much pull that it is possible to confuse the two, right? And she kept getting TT. Yeah. She yep. got TT with John Wingate. We thought it was in regards to a road. Right. Yeah. But, but it's Tommy Terrence. Right. Like, and it is eerie. Because when you look at statistically, when, when people and, and when kids and, and people in general are abducted, they, they know that person. 
it's not this six degrees of separation. It's somebody close to them. It's somebody in the church. It's somebody, an uncle, a family member, which is why that always gets rolled in too. But, you know, we've, we've, we've beat that dead horse. We've crossed those paths. Um, newer people listening to the podcast, like it's the family. I'm like, well, in some cases it is the family, you know, like you, you got strange cases all around. The, in this particular case, though, I do think that this person, if those, if it is a true crime path, those boys knew that person that they got in a car with. I, because they wouldn't have gotten a car with him. They could have just walked 15 minutes down to the house. But, his, oh, it's, it's Tommy Terrence. Like, he knows Dexheimer. He's in the Royal Ambassadors. Like, it, it could have been that easy. Um, and, and that's something that when you look at the path, and I think you, you had done some good things where you actually look at that. We can't, you know, can't really talk about what you did, but you did see these maps. You did see what the roads look like yeah. and that access, right, that yeah. hopefully one day we'll be able to show. But well, and you got to think too, and this is something I haven't really processed till just sitting here thinking about it, is that, you know, there was a Royal Ambassadors meeting going on that night, yep. right? In, in Shelbina? No, no, no. It was a um, junior, no, it wasn't a Royal Ambassador. It wasn't? No. But it was in South Shelby, right? Yeah. But it was it we, we were we had to double check on that because if it it was in South Shel- or Shelbina, that's where it was at. And so if there was a possibility it had something to do with some sort of function that Terry Hill could say, tell the boys, Hey, I'm going there. You just want to ride with me since you missed the bus. It was a youth group is what it is. And I, from what I was told that every month they would go to a different church, the youth group, okay. would, but it wasn't, it wasn't the Royal ambassadors. Okay. Well, at either rate though, I mean, if we're thinking about something along those lines where, you know, they had to be on the bus, to get there. So they get on the bus, they miss the bus. And so you have somebody like Terry Hill here. That's like, Oh, I can take you guys. I'm, I'm heading back to Moberly. I mean, it's along the way. And so then all of a sudden now you have him taking three boys miles and miles away from, you know, Hannibal, you know? Yeah, and, th- and that stands the reason, like, is there some kind of meeting notes? Is there something that, that do these kids, like when I went to youth group, uh, you checked in, you know, you signed your name and it's like, okay, these are people that showed up because you have an attendance that you're taking throughout the year. Um, I wonder if the church has those records. I wonder, because the problem with it is that isn't the church gone? Like it doesn't even exist anymore, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not, we never really tracked down that, to be honest with you, with the South uh, Shelby or Shelbina. I keep saying South, South Shelby, but Shelbina churches. Well, so the I, other thing I thought could have been an, um, situation too is what if he was there to help preach at the Southside Baptist Church which he did on that Wednesday night we've known he was there preaching before what if he was actually in town for Southside Baptist Church that night you know that's something we never really I've gone through like days before and that's where I came up because they're in the and I was going to try looking that up but in the newspaper it, it literally has Wednesday night they were going to such and such in in Shelbina and so I but I've, I've seen that but that's a good point I've never gone and looked to see who the pastors because usually they say who the guest pastors are going to be right. at, a, at a church for a night service well in the newspaper articles I was finding from where Terry grew up as well um, or where he lived at the time it would tell that church he preached at a lot and it would tell every Sunday or Wednesday when he was serving and I could or preaching it and I couldn't find where he was preaching at his own church that night. Really? Yes. Wow. I could find um, the Sunday and I could find other Sundays and Wednesdays, but I couldn't find that particular night. So here's the fun thing about this podcast is we are literally doing the research right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's a, again, it just goes down. There's a lot of paths with him and there's just, I mean, it's scary to think about all the connections that he has. You got Royal ambassadors, you got um, the family connections with the Dexheimers, you got uh, all these connections. And then of course he comes back to help with the search. I mean, there's just so many things. And then of course, not only that, but the big piece on top of the cake is then he ends up going to prison in Texas for child molestation. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's always, it's always stunned me that like you talked, you just spoke about the goosebumps and like you start seeing him appear more and more and more. And if you have a number one prime suspect, right. I, I mean, any, any cold case detective would tell you, it doesn't come that easy, right? That's why it's a cold case, right? 120,000 cold cases, 1% are ever solved. You know, those are real statistics. But, like, in a case like this, like, where where it's it, – he's the perfect – it's the perfect crime. It's about to unfold into something that wasn't even – considered uh kidnapping or missing kids or it was never that so you you talk about like you could have done the deed and then come back and helped i mean it's really hard for me to kind of look at uh certain people's um uh, aspect of of what actually is 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 occurring from from the perspective that okay well you know, we had a guy on here and says, well, not everybody that molest kills. But in that case, <laughs> if, if you are a public figure, if you are doing a lot of pastoring, if you are doing a lot of things, this can't get out, right? Versus when you, when you fast forward to, to Texas, it's not like that, right? You're, you're kind of scatterbrained. You're between Florida, Texas, Missouri. But, but back then, I mean, he was written about a lot in the articles. He was kind of a public figure when you look about for a small town. He's yeah. talked about he's, he's, he's being appreciated by the scouts. He's being appreciated by the royal ambassadors. He's, his name is everywhere. He started a 4-H program. He did start a 4-H program. And that's where you get more kids. So this is the, a prime person that wanted to be around children. And we kind of know one of those reasons why, right? Um, and then using religion, of course, as kind of like that, that vice where, oh, it never happens there, right? And it just, you know, to be clear, this is not the Catholic religion. This is, a, this is another religion. But it, it happens everywhere. And it happens with every type of organization that's around kids, whether it's the, you know, brothers and sisters, whether it's, you know, United Way or, uh, you know, anything that, that relates children and people, you're going to find deviates get into those lines from schools to private schools to all these types of things. So in my opinion, I mean, if you're talking suspects, he's prime. He's a, he's a 100% prime suspect. Um, we can put him in a lot of places and we can put him at the dig, which is just, it's scary. <laughs> But we just can't put them. There is a person that that is of interest to us, right? There's there's a person out there. There was a child or, or a kid that was living with him, um, and that person's alive, right? And I would just kind of want to get their spin on, you know, Terry as the person. This comes from the family. Like, hey, there was a couple people that lived with him. I think one of them lives in in Spain or something now. Um, but the other one, I think, lives oh, in the Missouri. foreign exchange student. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you had the foreign exchange student and then you have this other person that was living with Tommy Terrence Hill. And and he he I think he lives out in West Missouri somewhere. So, you know, I I get people don't want to talk about it. Right. But there are ones that got away and there were the ones that didn't get away. And you got to start thinking about that, too, because this is not about, you know, me and Chris, you know, hanging there or, you know, 
it's high-fiving because we solved something. It's about bringing closure, but also bringing, bringing other evidence to other detectives and to other precincts that are dealing with missing cases to think about, you know, hey, we, we might want to go in this direction. We're not thinking about going in this direction. You know, think about Golden State Killer, right? The first guy on the scene when, it, when the first murder happened said, it's a cop. And they never listened to him. And then 40,000 documentaries later, everyone got it wrong, except for the cop on the first scene is like, this guy's a cop. And they couldn't hear that. So, I mean, how many times since then do we see that it's law enforcement? Do we see that it's, you know, the person that's the closest to the family, that it's the uncle, the father, the mother? So there, there's a bunch of different things that, that, that do occur, that happen. And for Tommy Terrence Hill, it's just this one guy that kind of just like, I mean, you, you put him in a pool with John Wayne Gacy and it's like, you can't even measure it. He's got, he's, we got everything on him. But was he that guy? Was he the mystery man? Did he know John Wayne Gacy? You don't know. Like you just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a deep hole to uh, to dive in. But uh, let's I, we kind of got way off track. But that's okay. That's um, right. So let's let's kind of go back. So it's you guys. Here's, here's, yeah. Here's an ad that'll make uh, well, us millions, I, millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Three subscribers, guys. Yeah. Three subscribers. Three are my emails. It's 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 almost like starting over the podcast. It's we're going to be watching the YouTube for a while. 100%. Yeah. It's just going to be like four watchers, and it's going to be us watching and it we twice. Need, we need Chad to actually oh, do yeah, something. Yeah. Maybe go on Scrambled. His yeah, new his yeah. new podcast. Check little, that out, by the way. Scrambled. Yes. Uh, Chad Douglas. You guys know Chad from uh, KHQA. He was a big help with us. He's got a podcast about uh, child. Um, um, kind of like it's what is it like child um, mental illness yeah mental so illness. yeah mental you know so make sure to check it out scrambled very cool podcast it's a brilliant podcast yeah, yes. so. really well done uh, but uh, so let's kind of get back to what we were talking about we were talking about uh, John Wingate so again it seemed like everything was going all right with the everything you had to wait in line for a little while when did the tables turn for you guys with John yeah because it seemed like in the beginning you and John were you know getting along getting on well, he would he would call or he would ask if he could talk to me. He never asked if he could interview me. We've had that argument. <laughs> um, Candace, you want to tell the story because you tell it better than me. I had never talked to John. Mom, mom had done most of the communicating with him, um, but he had called and reached out to mom at one point to see if the family would be willing to help pay to bring um, one of the psychics in from out of town. Um, and at that time she had said, you know, Hey, let me talk to some of the other family. We'll think about it. And then the next thing we know, um, he had already arranged that with her. Hmm. Um, and so he had let us know that he had arranged that with her and wanted to know if we, if mom wanted to go with him that day, um, he was going to take her out on a drive to see if she could identify, uh, where they could possibly be at. Um, so we were scheduled to meet that day and go with them. And I think then they called and said it's going to be a little bit later or he something. He wanted to take her out to breakfast first, first, and get just get acquainted. But then things really changed because he told her that we didn't want to go. We changed our mind. But we didn't know that at the time. We thought we were meeting them all down at Mark Twain Dinette to go out on this drive. Um, then we find out they're a little late, you know, they, they, Hey, we'll be in there just a little bit. And I think that's when we started getting that feeling. Something's not right. Mm. Um, I think we even said, I think they went on out there. Like we just kind of had that feeling. Uh, and then they showed up and that's when we find out that they did go ahead and go on that drive. And he had told, uh, the girl that we did not want to go, even though that was not the story at all. 
Um, and I think even after that, we found out he had already taken the other two psychics out there without even telling us he was doing that. So I think that's about the point that things started going wrong because then he was like, you know, I guess we can go ahead and tell them, but we didn't want to let you know this before because we didn't want you to, you know, start telling people and Mm. spreading rumors. And it's like, but we're family. (laughs) (laughs) It got pretty heated at the Mark Twain Dinette, let me just tell you. (laughs) Yes. Um, Because I reminded him, it's my family, it's not yours. Right. And how do I know you're not going to go tell people? You took your brother with you, but you're telling me that I can't go or I can't know anything or I can't tell anybody. I don't think I've ever been so mad. (laughs) I lost all my senses. It's like I was in a tunnel and then... My daughter jumped to the, <laughs> jumped to the occasion. She's good about that. <laughs> yeah, and this is where you just hit him with a, a mug of root beer at the mark. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that bad. Um, I think I just was very vocal about the fact that we're the family and that we do, de- we do deserve to know what's going on and not kept out of it. Um, and so from there, uh, we actually took the drive that we were supposed to be on originally. Um, they, uh, she kind of took us through the steps that they had went through previously in the drive. Hmm. So then we went back to my house and we sat and talked and talked about where the location is. And I had a friend, well, my son's friend's father worked for Ross County. And I said, well, let me just call him. I said, but should I get a hold of John first? And they're like, no. Hmm. So I did. So we are the ones that initially went to Ross County. He was actually, everything just seemed to like fall right in place. He just happened to be five minutes from my mom's house. And it's like, you know what? I'll come stop by. Hmm. Okay. And I'm like, hey, you know the story about my brothers? He's like, yeah. I said, well, there's two psychics that like led led us to the same spot, has the same story they've never met before. It's actually three. Well, three. Yeah, three. Uh, one of them lives clear out of town. She's right here. And he's like, okay. He rode right with it. But now, Wingate's story is that he contacted the Rawls County. <laughs> First, it was he contacted Marion County. What well, wasn't in Marion County. And then that he contacted Rawls County. So needless to say, I have nothing to do with John Wingate. Because, to me, he's just wanting the money and the glory. He's wanting, you know, that's all All it was about was the book. It wasn't about my family. Yeah, and it seems to be like that path because, you know, in the beginning, and it just seems like everything that I've ever done in true crime or even in the paranormal that relates to some type of writer, um, there's, and it's funny, but at the same time, it's really not because I think that, you know, people feel that because they're writing something that they somehow own the rights to that story, but you don't. That's why when John Wingate threatened to sue us, that never came to pass because there's no grounds to sue us. Uh, A story from the media is exactly that. It's freedom of speech. You can basically say whatever you want. It's freedom from the press, 
which essentially is what me and Chris are doing. We're almost journalists in this, in, in the sense that um, with you guys, we're, we're putting forth information. And, and this season is like, it's about throwing back at you, like all the stuff we've, we've gone through. And, and with John Wingate, it's just this reoccurring nightmare of a person that constantly thinks that for some reason um, he's allowed to have this type of like um, uh, communal um, story, copyright, intellectual property, if you will, about the boys, which, you know, he's gone off and, and doesn't even care anymore. You know, and, and the reason why he's been so quiet is because Soul Speak is a fairly debunked book. I mean, we met with all the mediums. We, we've they're on film. We filmed all of them, and I won't reveal one's name because she asked not to be revealed, even with him. And and we've we've given her that. We've we've not released any of that. But you know, that got heated between me and her because there was a lot of there was a lot of days out there, and we'll get into the dig, you know, and, and what we actually did. But but this is interesting because it kind of almost segues into like what actually does occur when you hand off certain paperwork to Rawls County, right? When you, when you hand off certain information about what's going on at that cement plant, you know, with Rawls County. So, and at the same time, I think me and Chris are spinning up a podcast and we're like, I wonder if we'll ever be able to dig at the cement company. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting because uh, my niece had gotten a hold of me and said, Hey, you know, these people are doing a podcast. Why don't you get a hold of them? I'm like, no. <laughs> You know, I've already done this John Wingate and, and people writing book other books to um, Charles Stewart wrote his first book and it was really bad. Please don't go out and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can even find it, honestly. Um, so, well, with well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a segue of, like, I, I think Brittany actually is the one that puts us together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Brittany makes the connections. Yes, she always has. No, well, I was well, listening to you guys, yeah. and I would call her and, and fill her in, and I would say, hey, I think you really need to listen. Nope. Nope. I think we need to talk to him. Nope. Nope. You know. Yeah, and then Brittany did. Yeah. And yeah. I said, okay, I'll call him. She goes, I'll give you the number. I'm like, okay, I'll call him. Yeah, and so that's the other reason, right? Like, mm -hmm. like that's the thing. Like, if if... And if you go, you've, you've been to my house and you saw the clown picture, it's actually Teddy Roosevelt. But if you go up to my main stair, there's there's two major pictures. And it's something that I, it took me a long time to track them down. And then and then a long time to go to almost four auctions for one because I kept losing. And then it would go up for auction again. And, and what they are is the actual original posters for Houdini. And so I own them. I own them both now. And the reason why I liked Houdini so much was because he was the greatest debunker. He, he single-handedly destroys the spiritual movement, um, the Fox sisters, all these different things. And if you just read his legacy, it's this really interesting about Houdini. But in this particular case, you never see a medium that is doing something shady want to be involved still. You don't, they won't put themselves in a predicament where they can be wrong. Right. But Brittany doesn't do that. And that's what always has intrigued me about her is that she puts herself right in the fire. She's like, I'm still with this case. I'm still going to stand there with you. And, and she's making these connections for us. So when people ask, like, why have we involved mediums? It, it's not plural. It's one medium. And it's the medium that's kind of been there since the beginning, the one that made the connection between us and the Hogue family. And so that is why Brittany is very much a part of this. And whether you believe that or not, I'll tell you one thing. There are things that she's told me that give me goosebumps and that are, are scary. And we are, I believe, very close than we ever have been to, to coming to some closure with this. I, I really do. I really believe that 2023 is, is going gonna, is gonna to unearth something. 
whether that's science or, or paranormal or whatever. I would like to touch on the uh, on the on them. Brittany is very good. She told me things in my reading that there's no way she could have looked on Facebook and knew it. I mean, she didn't even know what it was. She said you'll figure it out later, and I did. Now the other one that we don't want to name because she doesn't want to be named. I have a very good relationship with her. I believe 100% that she is, you know, not doing it for any wrong reason. She didn't ask for no money or mm-hmm. nothing. She came a very long way, not once, but twice. She has her reservations of why she doesn't want to be involved, and I, and I appreciate it. Yeah. I do. But, you know, she's, she's touched my heart. I sure. will say that. She's coming from the right place. For she sure. is. Yeah, she definitely is coming from the right place. Oh, of course. Of course. And so everybody knows, too. Brittany yeah. has never charged us a oh, dime. Oh, no. She's yeah. never charged us no. a dime, never charged Shift or uh, Lost Boys of Hannibal anything. Like she's she's done everything pro bono for us. I mean, I can't guarantee that. I mean, it's her livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, she's actually helped out one of my friends locally here, um, and she absolutely loves her. I mean, fell apart. She lost a loved one. I said, if, if you know, if you're going to go down this route, let me get you somebody that I trust in this industry, mm-hmm. and um, has been able to help her. You know, through some of the darkest times of this person's life. So, you know, I I love Brittany. Like I, so I just this is not like a fan fan page or, or, um, you know, shout out. But the, the thing is, is that like we, I can't tell you how many times we get asked about it. And it's like, you know what, at least we're moving towards something. And, you know, even at the, if, if at the end of the day, we're a hundred percent wrong or whatever, you know, we know that we, we cross the T's and we dot at the I's. And I think that's the most important thing, um, that we, we, that we get from this too, is that a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the path has been laid, and we're starting to really like concrete zones. Um, so, you know, thanks to th- this relationship and us keeping you guys in the loop and everything we do from, from skulls being found to, you, you know, Ted Shanks recently when you guys went out there with Jan. I mean, like, you know that you can call us and, and we're going to, we'll, we'll get them out there. We might not, but you have to do it, right? Because Ted Shanks would still be a thing right now if we didn't, if we didn't do what we did, right? Well, the cement plant would still be a thing right now if we didn't do what yeah. we yeah. did. <laughs> I mean, exactly. You know. Yeah. And I want to thank both of you so much from the bottom of my heart and my family. Sorry. <laughs> I get a little emotional here. That's fine. Because you all have given me answers to things I was afraid I'd never get answers to. And you've done it with no, I mean, you haven't asked for anything from me. Nothing. No money. You pick up all of our meals, and <laughs> except for the one I jumped ahead of you real quick. You got me. You got me. I mean, These are cheese curds. I was too heavy. I couldn't get up. You'll do it, but, you know, you don't get paid to do this at all. No. And I don't think people realize that. You do it on your own time and your own dime. And it is a time commitment. A it big sure time is. commitment. Yes. Yeah. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. Awesome. Baby, need you get all that? Because I'm just going to run with that. Cool. Yeah. um well Well, i uh, go ahead yeah it's it's been a journey for us too i mean we'll talk about it coming up in the next few weeks but you know when we were out the dig it it got emotional for us too we got to the end of that and and frankie and i are standing there i'm getting emotional just thinking about it now but you know it's like we were hoping that there was going to be some resolve and, and but we didn't get that but then on the other hand like you just said we're checking off things that we wouldn't have had a chance to do otherwise. And that's the one thing that, I mean, that's a lot of work. I'm not to say that we don't like doing it, but this podcast is a lot of work. And, but it's for this podcast that gave us the opportunity to go do these things and have the help from law enforcement and from MoDOT and from all these other agencies that have come together and helped us try to 
check mark some of those things off. And let's not forget the cement plant. Yeah, absolutely. They were very gracious, very gracious in letting us, letting the family, Candace and I, go out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that I can't thank them enough because I talked to their HR representative in St. Louis, and she was just this really kind person. She's like, "Hey, like we want to do this with you if you could just remove certain things, and like we'll, we'll get this done. We promise." And and then, you know, Brad's Sheriff Brad Stenson and, yes. and Mark Flynn and or Chris Flynn, we had we had all these great officers and sheriffs that really care about not only their town, but I think actually the lore, the myths, the things that surround all of what Hannibal is, is that, you know, yeah, there's a hundred things going on today that, that people are breaking the law, but at the same time, like we still have these other cases that we need to solve. I mean, Hann- Hannibal is is strange in the sense that it, it, it has six missing people from 1967 to now that have gone completely vanished. There's not a trace without them. Not many small town and communities can say that. It's a very mysterious and, and, and uh, to, to a sense, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, and it is kind of strange when you think about high strange areas with UFO activity and all that stuff, that, that Hannibal County yields. Like, how does a tiny town like that yield six missing people yeah. that are just gone? Like without now, a trace. Two of those weren't from Hannibal. Well, surrounding the region. Yeah, surrounding yeah. yeah right, right, right. Yeah. Like you could drive there and be like, "Oh God, here comes another missing person." Well, <laughs> Frankie, I, I think they kind of hit it on hit, hinted on something that we need to catch up on the next episode. That might have to do with some other author. I think that'd be a great idea, Chris. And I think I know you're a good steward of this show, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> So from all of us here, I want to thank uh, Candice and I want to thank Denise for joining us at our first ever YouTube um, podcast thing. Like we're, we're becoming Joe Rogan. I know he's going to listen to this show. I love it because <laughs> actually our us. table looks really clean than his, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I want, you, I want you to thank you so much for coming out. I know it was a drive for you guys to get here. So thank you so much uh, for being a part of our episode one on, on YouTube. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us. You got it. And Chris, from all of us here at the Lost Boys of Hannibal, good to see you.